Understanding. That's what he's talking about here. Discretion or understanding. You know, a lot of people don't have that today. As simple as we may think it is, a lot of people don't have it. Understanding serves as a life-giving fountain. A life-giving fountain of refreshment to those who have it, those who possess it. But folly is like a whiplash. Anybody ever had a whiplash? You know how painful that is, right? He says, foolishness is like a whiplash to a fool. Their stupidity punishes them. They don't realize it, and, and it doesn't matter how many times it happens. They never get it. A fool never gets how much punishment they get from being stupid. They, they just don't get it. And that's the, that's the definition of stupidity. It happens over and over and over again, but they still don't get it. And so he says, what we ought to strive for is discretion, understanding, because it's a life-giving fountain of refreshment for anyone who have it. People have looked for the spring that promised to give eternal life for time and memorial. We were all, everybody talking about the, the fountain of youth. <coughs> For centuries, no one has ever found it to this day. You know of anybody who found it? Nobody ever found it. The wisdom God gives provides good judgment that provides, that proves to be a life-giving fountain, which is able to make us happy, is able to make us healthy, and is also able to make us alive forever. It comes with eternal life. That's what we have. He washes away the deadly effects of sin. And he did that through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. By his word. Listen to what Titus says in chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 3 to 8. He says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. Remember those days? Reflect on the days when you didn't have salvation. That's what he's talking about. And the stupid things, the idiotic things that we did. The bad decisions that we made. Okay, that's what he's talking about. He says, we too were once foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy. And we hated each other. Isn't that so? We remember, some of us remember those days when we were like that. Verse 4. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, because we had done none of them, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit, we will inherit eternal life. Now notice. He declared us righteous. He declared us righteous. We didn't become righteous by anything that we had done. He declared us righteous. Verse 8, and this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. 
That's what makes a lot of sense. And so we, we have a joyful perspective on our present life, according to the word of God. Life, because of the hope of eternal life, we have with God. While the fountain of youth was only a dream, people are still dreaming about it. The life-giving fountain is a reality. We have that. We experience that in the here and now. That's not next week or next year or next month. And so, it's your choice. You can let God's wisdom enlighten you, or you can let the weight of your own foolishness drag you down, like fools are doing today. So there is a choice. Notice, God always gives us a choice, doesn't He? Always there is a choice. He doesn't say, this is it, take it or leave it. It's my way or the highway. God gives us a choice. And so because of that, we see the dilemma that many people are facing today because they make the wrong choice. They don't accept the choice that God gives. But they have a choice. So whatever dilemma the fool finds himself in, it's because of the decision that he has made. But there is a choice. We have that choice. Verse 23. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and added learning to his lips. Okay, so here we have uh, an indication of what a heart is like, according to this verse. A wise person's speech is an indicator of what is in the heart. So whatever comes out of a person's mouth tells you what they got in the heart. Okay, it's not, easy, it's not difficult to determine that. They display their knowledge by what they say. They speak with authority that there is a certain persuasiveness about their statements. So whatever they say, whatever person says, is an indicator of who they are in the heart. And so you listen to a wise person and you can take that to the bank. Verse 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Okay, so how important it is then that we are to exhibit or allow kind words to come from our mouths. It is beneficial, right? Kind words of the qualities of honey is what they're saying, what he's saying here. Sweet not only to the taste, but to the soul. In other words, to a healthy body, it's good. Good stuff. A woman whose husband never expressed appreciation for anything she had ever done worried constantly that she had failed as a wife and mother. It is believed that her worrying caused her to develop tuberculosis. And as she was dying, her husband said to her, I don't know what we're going to do. You've done so much and done it so well. She said to him, why didn't you say that sooner? She said, I've been blaming myself all these years because you never said, well done. So we see what gratitude can do, right? We see what kind words could do. The implication with this story, and it's a true story, is that this woman may not have gotten as sick as she was if her family had been expressing gratitude to her for all that she was doing all along. And there are many people with this very same story today. Many. So this, this story mirrors what a lot of people are going through. So it tells us how important kind words are. 
They have the qualities of honey, sweet to the taste and sweet to the soul. It's contributive to the healthy well-being of the body, as the story uh, conveys. Okay, verse 25. How many times have we heard stories that reflect this verse? There is a way that seems right, but in the end there is death. We look at the experiences that people have gone through, and we look at what they've, what they've, what, what the outcome of those experiences have been, and our response is, he or she, who he or she should have done this or done that. Because if they had done otherwise, the outcome they're now experiencing would have been different. The, partly, the point is, the way that they were going appeared quite ordinarily and right to them. They had no clue. Probably there were some people along the way telling them, that, you know, you should take some advice. That way is probably not the best way to go. Why don't you try this? But to them, the way they were going was the right way. And they, they ended up realizing that it was not. And so this, this is an emphasis that is repeated uh, in chapter 14 of Proverbs and verse 12, which says there is a path before each person that seems right, but its end is dead. So whenever we repeat something, what are we trying to get across? Understanding. Understanding how important it is to follow the advice, right? Whenever we repeat ourselves, it means we better get this. It's important. And that's why we have a repeat here. So what we have here in verse 25 is a repeat of verse uh, 12 of chapter 14. You're saying the same thing. It sounds like common sense to assume that the best way to get to heaven is by doing good and being good. That sounds like it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of people are doing that. Okay, because it seems it's the right thing to do. It seems good. I mean, God is into good stuff. God is into people being good and doing good. So it, ought to, it, it sort of makes common sense to a lot of people to think that, boy, if I'm a good person, I'm a shoe in for heaven. And there are people living that way today. But the fact is that the only people who will ever get to heaven are sinners saved by grace. These are the only people who are going to get to heaven. Not the people who live their entire lives doing good works. I don't know if some of you have seen the news the other day. Uh, one of the web shop people was given some kind of uh, charity to one organization. Down syndrome. Down syndrome it was, right? Okay, that's their way of buying their way to heaven. That's what they're doing. They're giving away all this money, which they're making illegally, the wrong way. And um, what, what they're not telling you is how many lives are addicted, damaged, and destroyed by all this money they're making. That's what we never hear. You may occasionally run into somebody who, had, who would convey that, boy, you know, I spent, I had this amount of money, and I go on and buy this number, and, and I lose it, and I, I lost all my money out for the grocery, and for the rent, and the mortgage, and all that stuff. You may occasionally hear that story. But those things are happening. The web shop owners are uh, getting rich and wealthy on the backs of poor people. It's the poor people who gamble, you know. Because they want more. They're promised more. Where do they put their money? Because the bank don't Well, they get, they get wallets. They get bank wallets. You know they have armored trucks. You never saw the armored truck over here buying this one? 
They have their own armored trucks. They have, they have, uh, uh, I understand. Hmm? I understand that they have safes. They have safes. Hmm? Oh, flowers. Yeah. Yeah, right. We have two situations, light and darkness. These people are in darkness, we are light. That is why we need to be praying for these people. I used to buy number. <laughs> and many in here still buy numbers in, in our church. But we have to be praying. This is light and darkness is no wrong to that. They can't see it's no wrong. God, that's why we should be rejoicing that God has opened our eyes and praise God and be praying for these people. Let's be real. Yeah, we we need real. to pray that their eyes will be opened. We need to pray that the eyes will be open. You know, because some of them, some of them. I am thinking because I was eavesdropping in the conversation around the Prime Minister. These people in darkness, evening, everybody in government or any high position should be Christians. There's a darkness. Let us be real. And pray that the hearts of these people would turn to God. Now remember now, this is not new. Remember the Bible tells us to do that. What does the Bible say? Pray for your leaders. Isn't that what it says? Okay, so we need to pray that these leaders would get saved and lead the people in the right way. Okay, that is the problem. Okay, when you have the, when you have the leaders are saying, well, you know, this is probably the best way to go, uh, you're going to have problems. Okay, the Bible tells us we are to pray for the leaders that they will be able to lead the people in the right way. That they will be able to pass the right legislation. You know, the laws, you know, the, 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 the government officials are responsible for making the laws. Okay, those are pe people who make the laws are the people who we really need to be praying for. We really need to be praying that their heads are screwed on right. Because they are making the laws that govern us. They are making the laws that we are supposed to abide by. And if we don't abide by the law, the law says that we face the penalty. That's something serious to think about. They, they make the laws and they enforce it. They probably need to do a better job of enforcing it. Right. We just read it. We just read it. And over and over again, the Bible reminds us. You know, we can't complain if we're not praying for them. How can you not call ourselves a Christian nation? We're not a Christian nation. Because, you know, if you're relying on the number four, you're not relying on God. I mean, you know, No, no. There's a difference now. Because the Constitution says the nation was established on Christian counsel, um, Christian values and the rule of law, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it is. That's the way it started. But it was not continued that way. When the forefathers sat down and wrote the Constitution, that's what they had in mind. That's what they, they foresaw. That was the vision that they had for the nation. But those who came behind gradually let that vision slip away to the point of where we are now. They only can find God when they want to get where they need to go or where they want to go. You know, when they wanted to get in power, they had prayer meeting and church service and all that stuff. How happened to those things now? What happened to them now? 
You know, it's beyond me how people could, you know, just make laws to do things like that when obviously they know from history the problems that they have caused. They know from history the problems they have caused. They know that people who are high can get in accidents, they can take the lives of innocent people. Okay? History, history tells us that. So why in the world would you go and make that stuff legal? Okay, we've seen what, you know, gambling can do uh, to families from hobby horse race track days. Okay? So it's not like we don't know what it's capable of doing. So why would we want to go back there and continue to burden people? It's beyond me. But, you know, it's a way... Uh, that Satan has his world turning upside down, twisting, spinning on his head. Misery like company. Hmm? Misery like company. <laughs> okay, so verse 26. He that laboreth for himself, and is not credit again. Verse 26. Okay. He laboreth for himself. For his mouth, and yes, 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 because their appetite is what drives them on to work. The stomach ache from being hungry drives them on to work. Is what he is saying. Okay, I, I remember working for a fellow, working with a guy one time, and he was slowing down on the work. He was really excited and really moving, and he started to slow down. And uh, so the guy said, "What happened? Now you don't have to, to get up and go that you had before." He said, "Empty, uh, he said, uh, uh, empty sack can't move." And so the fellow um, said, okay, we need to get you some lunch. He fed him, gave him some lunch, and he still wasn't moving any faster. So he said, okay, what's the problem now? He said, full sack can't move. <laughs> and that's what some people are today. So an employee who knows he won't collect his paycheck if he doesn't work. He can't go to the supermarket, he can't buy food for his family. Unless he works. So that's going to drive him on to work. He's going to be working for that paycheck. His appetite urges him on if he's ever tempted to stop working. In the spiritual realm, this is also the case. Because the realization of a deep spiritual need is the driving factor to read the word of God and pray. And that's where we are right now. Deep spiritual need in our country is what ought to drive God's people to the word and to prayer. That's where we are right at this moment. There is a deep spiritual need in our nation for people to turn to God. And just like the fellow who wants that paycheck because his stomach is aching and he wants to buy food, Christian ought to be in that same predicament. The deep spiritual need drives us to our knees in prayer, to the word of God in prayer, so that that need will be met. Verse 27. Okay, my um, sister Brenda, what's your version say? Scoundrels. 
Anybody know any scoundrels? <laughs> I think uh, the person who um, Albert was talking about breaking in that car is a scoundrel. But we have a lot of those around the place. Different portraits of wicked people are seen in verse 27. From verse 27 to verse 30 of chapter 16, um, the writer gives us different pictures or portraits of scoundrels or wicked people. First, we see an ungodly person as someone who digs up evil, evil, whose language inflicts burns and injuries like a burning fire. Know anybody like that? Know anybody who experienced that? Okay, a person who goes and they digs up all kind of wickedness, evil, and their language is inflicting. It, it pains and it hurts. You know, we, we often hear people talking about how someone said something to them that was so hurtful. Well, that's the kind of thing he's talking about here. So, verse 28. A frolic man soweth strife, and a whisper of separatist chief friends. Okay, separates. Here again, we have another portrait of wicked people. The truth is distorted by a wicked person who spreads strife by lying, shading truth, or holding back on the facts. They never tell the truth as it is. They're always twisting it in some way, holding back on part of it. Remember the devil? That, that was typical of the devil. Remember when he tempted Jesus? He was twisting the truth. He was saying some things and holding back on some other things. He was quoting parts of scripture and leaving out the... He was quoting like one part of scripture and left out the other part that justified the whole context. Isn't and that's what people are doing today. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they distort the truth by lying and shading, back, shading the truth and holding back some of the facts. Close friends are usually separated by those who gossip. That's right. Boy, Charlie, get one juice piece for you today. You got to hear this. Okay? Before you know it, that friendship is kaput. Gone. Verse 29. A violent man entices his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. Okay. People who are involved in a life of crime. Violent people try to lead their companions astray by encouraging them to become partners in crime. Boy, come, and Paul Weiss talks about this too uh, earlier. And, you know, come, come go with me, man. I got, I got a good, good deal. You know, we, I know this fellow. He's going to the bank every day at the same time to make his bank deposit. If we hit him at the particular time, we could take the whole thing. Okay? That's how they think. He can't do it by himself. He needs help. Okay, so he gets another partner in crime. That's what he's talking about here. Violent people need their companions. They're supposed to be a friend. Now, why would you get a friend in that kind of trouble? Okay, he doesn't think about his trouble. Okay, come go with me. I got something for us to do. This is what he says. According to Romans chapter 132, they know better. <coughs> people always know better. Okay, whenever a person is confronted with a bad thing, they're also confronted with the good thing. There's always a choice. Always a choice. You can never take a person's words and say, you know, I didn't have a choice. Oh yes, we do. We always have a choice. Uh, verse, uh, Romans 1.32 says, They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. That's the word. 
Yet they do them anyway. We see that all the time, don't we? Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. That's exactly what he's saying here in verse 29. Okay, they know what the law says. They know that the law says if you commit a crime, you do the time. They know that. Okay, the Bible says not only do they do it anyway, but they grab some other people and carry them along with them. And they encourage them to do it too. Exactly what he's saying here. Romans 12, Romans 1 and 29 and, and, and Proverbs 16 is saying the same thing. And then verse 30. With narrow eyes, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. Okay. Facial expressions is what he's talking about. What people do with their faces when they're in the process of committing crimes and deceiving people. They have these different expressions uh, which have wicked implications. And we know them. What a wink mean? <laughs> huh? When a person wink with one eye at you, what do they mean? They mean nothing good, right? They don't mean nothing good. Okay? So a wink can tip off the involvement in a plan of some something perverse. Okay, watch out for that wink. Okay, anybody who winks at you, run. Take off. Go in the opposite direction. Because they don't mean anything good. And then there's the compressed lips. Compressed lips can express the determination to see it through. Okay? You know how they fix the lips? You know what it means? We gotta do this. We got we gotta get we gotta go through with this. Is what he is saying here. Now we can stop there because time is gone. But I believe we get the point, right? <laughs>